Hello and welcome to Wesley Union, a bi-weekly podcast from Studio Wesley that highlights the voices of different campus ministers and leaders in the United Methodist Church. Today we'll be hearing from Reverend Preston Davis, minister to the university at High Point University in High Point, North Carolina. Good evening. Uh, Seth, it's good to see you uh, out behind the camera, or in front of it, rather than behind it. Um, it's cool to see. It's, he's a real person, everybody. Uh, it's fabulous. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but when uh, the passing the peace, when it happens, and if it's backed by a ukulele, like, how do you not, like, just smile and dance a little bit? Uh, ukuleles, I don't know, they just, like, get inside your heart and make you happy. Uh, and your faces do that even more. Uh, thank you for continuing to send those in. And uh, be together as best we can uh, during this time. Uh, one of the things I've, I've had to do during this time, I don't know if this has happened to you, it's happened to me a bunch, is like, I've never been a phone call kind of guy. I, I, I don't know what it is. I've never really liked being on the phone. Um, uh, part of it's like my own weakness. Like, I'm, I just, I'm not good at paying attention to somebody on the phone. I'm much better in person. Um, and the other thing is, I, I just, I never really liked it as a way of like communication. I, I wanted to do it in person or, or sometimes I do it better in writing, but I, during this time, I've had to get good at the phone. Like my mom demands it of me. Uh, she's gotta talk to her grandchildren. Or like, like some of my best friends who are across the country, like we've started calling each other. And we haven't done this in years. I mean, most of my best friends are somewhat like your best friends, I bet. They're, they're from college and we haven't seen each other in de- over a decade, some of us, and, but we're, we're calling each other. And it's made me really appreciate like I gotta listen better to them. Like part of my own maturation is me listening better. And it's all about the call. And it's listening to the call. And in this time, like, it's about are you hearing your own call? Are you picking up the phone? And I got a couple notes from some students like, really, you're going to talk about calling this week? Like, man, I just, I need a haircut. I don't want to talk about calling. Like, I'm trying to keep my head above water. You want to talk about calling? But here's the thing. We, we started this series for seniors. And the conversations with seniors are, are, are similar, but a little bit of different tone to them. It's, it's like that internship I had, it's, it's not there anymore. That job I had lined up, it's not there anymore. But the question of what are you going to do doesn't go away, and you don't need me to tell you. It's not outside in, it's inside out. It's like you lay your head on the pillow at night, and there's this gnawing. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I want to say, like, some of us get really good at anesthetizing and shutting off that voice. We're like, it's annoying. Maybe I'll drink whatever I want to put it away, or maybe I'll distract myself uh, to put it away. But it comes back, right? There's a gnawing. And and here's what I want to say. I actually think there's something of God's presence and question in that voice. And you might, some of you might say, like, what, I, I would think that God's a comforter, right? But yes, but I would also say, yeah, God comes to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And we're both at the same time. And that gnawing, that question, that's something of God's grace that puts a call on all of us. It says, what, what are you going to do with this life? Even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of quarantine, the question still comes. So I want to talk about calling tonight. I think it's important, more important now than ever. And I want to talk about it in terms of what, how, and why. 
I think some of us, we, we interpret calling first and foremost as career. And there's some of that to it, right? There's, there's some of like career is what you do. I mean, I hope you enjoy what you do like as a student or, and even beyond being a student because you're gonna spend at least eight to 10 hours a day. I mean, if you're doing it well, probably in that career. Uh, but career and calling, they're, they're like a little different. Calling, it's like something of like who you are at your core, something about your identity, that little voice that like brings up in the middle of the night that annoys you and asks what you're going to do. Like uh, the ancients and even in scripture, they, call, they called it eros. We, th- we think eros is something naughty or having to do with the erotic or simply a love that's about romance. But the eros was about like life energy, divine energy. It's like, it's like this volcano that comes up within you that says like, I got to do something with my life. And that's, a, that's actually a really good thing. It means that you want to live a life of worth. It means you want to live a life of meaning. It means you want to live a life of purpose. It means you want to do something with the breath that's in your lungs. It's like, that's like a good nagging. It's, it's calling you out upon the water, right? Not safety, not security, but to risk, and to risk well. But calling, like if it's there, it's that some bit of nagging. It's also like something on your identity. It's something about being first and doing second. Here's the difference between career and calling. I want to talk about what. Because the question still comes, what are you going to do with your life? Check out what Jesus does with the, in, this, in this phrase, though, in this, this beautiful scripture that Seth read. First and foremost, he calls the disciples friends. He goes and tells them to love. Yeah, there's some doing, but it's based in their identity. So difference between career and calling. Career is about doing first, callings about being first. Here's what's important about this. And here's what I think we mess up so often. Uh, And man, I'm doing it right now in some ways in my own life. Uh, Like I think about like the way I talk to my kids and I'll I'll ask them now like, hey, Christopher Jordan, is my five-year-old twins. I'll ask them like, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's a fun question. It's an imaginative question. And it helps them like imagine their future but whenever I ask, like, what are you going to be when you're growing up? Maybe someone asked you that when you were young. It isn't actually about their being. It's actually about their doing. It's always like, um, like I want to be a police officer. I want to be a scientist. Uh, uh, they never say pastor. They never do. They're preacher's kids. They're never going to do that. Uh, but, like, it's always about a role. They sometimes trick me, though, and they're amazing. They're like, I want to be Spider-Man. That's the best. But here's how, like, this gets in our bones early on. We talk about occupation, a career, a doing. And we say, what do you want to be? Here's why this is important. It's that we, we shape our identities in this culture today, in a career culture, in a, in a doing culture around our performance. It's so important. It's good in some ways, but it's, it's, it's really problematic in others because we define our worth by what we do. And most of the time, we'll define our worth by what we do and our career that we get. So, so we think about, well, okay, what kind of career is going to give me an identity of importance? What's the problem with that? The problem with that is, like, if you didn't think you were important before you got the job, you're not going to be important after you get the job. If you didn't think you were important before you got the car, not going to be important after you get the car. If you didn't think you were important before you get the thousand followers on Instagram, you're not going to feel important after you get the thousand followers. Are you with me? 
Jesus said it in a way more like direct way. He says, what is it to gain the world and lose your soul? And it's like an observation about us performance people. That if you perform for your identity, you like, you degrade your very inner life. If that's your primary form of identity. If you make your being out of doing. Jesus starts from a totally different standpoint. He flips the script. He looks at his disciples and that's you. That's everyone. He doesn't, he doesn't carve a boundary around who's in this belonging. He looks out on the world. He's gonna go, he's gonna go to the cross for everybody. And he looks at him and says, I call you friends. He doesn't begin with their doing. He begins with their very being. This is so beautiful, right? Like he begins with a sort of inner anchor. Like you can be first. And if you can be first, then you can go and do. I mean, so many of us were clamoring. We're like, what can I do so that I am known? But Jesus begins from this place of know God so that you can be. And if you can be, this passage says, is you can bear fruit. Fruit attached to a stem, attached to a limb, attached to a trunk that goes rooted into the earth. What are you rooted in for your being? what your being's in, what you put your faith in, that will tell you who you are. It will tell you what to do. The question isn't whether you're gonna have faith. The question is, is what are you gonna have faith in? What phone calls are you picking up? What calling is giving you life? So many callings, right? You're gonna have to answer the call of ambition. You're gonna have to answer the call of insecurity. You're gonna have to answer the call of expectations of others. There's so many callings on us. Are we picking up the right callings? So many missed calls in our pocket. Are we picking up the right ones? Because God is constantly calling us out into the world. Love the way uh, Olivia sang that song. Jesus is calling. Are we listening? He doesn't stop in a time of crisis. Actually, the gnawing gets a little louder. The scratching on the door. The calling out into water. The calling to risk. If calling though is first about being and not doing, it's still, there, there, is, there is like a what to be done. I don't know. You might go to the career office and you might get a different answer than for me. You might be like, do what you love, do what you're passionate about. That's good advice. I mean, but like, for like spiritually calling and career where they get tangled, it's, it's far deeper. Like the psalmist talks about deep calling to deep. It's something like guttural within you. There's like... A, how do we say it? Like it's, it's something places a claim on you. Here's, here, check out what Jesus says in this passage. He says, I've called you friends because I've made it known to you uh, everything that I have heard from my father. You do not choose me, but I choose you. I choose you. Uh, there's something about this, I think, that drives us crazy in first, uh, that like we want everything in our life to be about our initiative. Like I am the captain of my own fate. I'm the master of my own soul, right? Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the world what I want it. Give me a lever and I can turn the world. But like, if this is any indication of like God's behavior, it's, it's, it's and if God has anything to do with our lives, it's like, it's maybe not so much about our choosing, but are we paying attention to God's choosing for us? 
There's this great passage in the Bible of, of Jesus is trying to explain what the kingdom of God is like, right? And he's like, it's like a farmer who found a treasure and, and, and then he like in someone else's field. And, and so he like, ah, he, he, he's so captivated by the treasure. He, he, he runs into town and he sells everything that he's got. And then he comes to the, the other landowner and he says, well, hey, 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 um, just guessing here, ballpark. How much, how much do you want for that old dusty field over there that's got no worth to it? Yeah, call me crazy, might want it. And he buys the field for the treasure that's in it. This is what's beautiful about that passage. If you, if you think about it for a while longer, you go, wait. Sold all he had to get the treasure. So now he's got this treasure, whatever it is. In another parable, it's a pearl of great price. So he's got nothing but the treasure. So the question is, does, does he own the treasure or does the treasure own him? And it's a beautiful indication of what is always spiritually true and what the Bible is trying to say to us. is like we're trying to grasp at life and yet that beautiful children's song, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. And he's got you in his grip even as you're grasping for life. You can be still and know that God is God so that you can do. What does any of that doing look like though? Again, you might go to the career office. They might give you great advice. Build on your strengths. And Jesus is really interested in you like paying attention to your weaknesses. For my love has been made perfect in weakness and strong in weakness. I mean, this is a guy, this is our God who goes to a cross for heaven's sake. It's, it's like, how do we put it? Like, how do you find your calling? I wish I could give this something really clear to you. All I can say is that like, I, you fail and you fail better at it. Maybe you do try a lot of things and they fall through. But then you try something and I don't know, how do you put it? Like, like you recognize this hum that's within you. When Albert Einstein was a little boy, um, he was sick. And his dad brought home a compass for him. And the way he explained it is like he, he began to tremble as he held this compass. And he said, there was something far more going on in life about claiming me that there were these forces happening in the universe and around us that, that had sway over us and I couldn't do anything but search for them. Do you hear it? It's, it's not like he's saying I, I had to do, do this. It's as if he's saying it the only time that a double negative is really appropriate, like, I can't not do this. And I share a little bit um, some of my own journey, my own failing. I thought I, I, this, I am the cliche walking. I thought for a moment in college I was going to be a professional soccer player. And uh, injuries and other things, I, it just didn't happen. Uh, it just didn't happen. I was like, okay, well, I'll be a writer. And so I did that for a while. I wrote for, like, a lot of publications. Turns out... Not a great writer. Like, and there's a growth mindset, surely, that I could have done that and done better, but like, it just wasn't working. It wasn't awakening anything in me. And to be honest, I was doing it far more for getting my name as a byline than the stories that I was writing about. It was like I was trying to get attention instead of pay attention. 
And somehow I stumbled into seminary, like there was that nine, right? There was some of that nine happening in the back of my life. And then somehow I stumbled into an internship where I was at a church and somehow I stumbled into an ICU. And I was with this woman, the end of her life. I didn't know it at the time, but it was. And, and she asked me to pray with her. And I had no clue what I was doing. And I, I was like, God, say something, because I, I got nothing. And I prayed with her. And I went home and got a call from another pastor about four hours later saying, um, you know that woman that you paid with, well, prayed with, well, she's gone on ahead of us. It's so hard to explain there was some peace in the gnawing. Something about where she was going. Something about, it's like a clarity and an opening space within me of saying like, what is this that people allow you to be with them in their most vulnerable, awful, and beautiful moments? Now let's be clear, I had no plans to really be a pastor. I wanted to do something important with my life. But something in me said, like, I can't not try this. Don't get me wrong, there is going to be so much doubt along the way as you leap into a calling. As you know who you are and know who God is and you have your being and then you try and you do. But there, there will be something that just keeps urging you on. Even in the midst of frustration. I think it was a surprise for so many people in my life. I, I can never forget. It was, it was a few months before I was going to be a pastor to a congregation. And someone who I deeply loved had one of those intervention moments with me. And going like, what are you doing? Have you seen your part? You're meant to be a politician. And then, like she said, like, I, you really need to go do MBA school. You really need to think about your future. You really need to think about your family's future. You need to think about your security. And I was really fragile and vulnerable at the moment. But I, and so what came out to that person was, I don't know what else to do. But if I could go back to that conversation, instead of saying, I don't know what else to do, Really, the words were, I can't not do this. It wasn't ego-driven. It was soul-drawn. And this doesn't have to be, like, I think a lot of you should go into the ministry, but it, it doesn't have to be ministry. It's more like what Jesus says. Is it like, is it bearing fruit? Are you bearing fruit in the world? Are you doing something in the world that's making it more beautiful, more of a reflection of the kingdom of God? Is it bearing fruit within you and bearing fruit in the world? Is it rooting you deeper in God and helping you touch other people in a way? Not to be an influencer, but to be a lover of humanity, to be a lover of creation, called. Pay attention to the gnawing. Pay attention to the still, small voice. Don't anesthetize it. Don't push it down. Get uncomfortable with it. Because it may be the very place that sets you free. Studio 
Wesley exists to curate authentic and informed content that connects with college-aged young adults on their journeys of spiritual and personal discovery. We seek to build a community rooted in faith that values an open, inclusive, and expansive table where all are welcomed, respected, and loved without reservation or exception. To do this, we generate multiple content pieces, like Wesley Union, in order to connect with as many students as possible. One of these content pieces is Studio Wesley Annex, a weekly discussion between four community members about the lectionary scriptures for that week. These discussions are rich and filled with different insights and perspectives that reflect the breadth and depth of the church. To watch Studio Wesley Annex, visit the Studio Wesley YouTube channel or our website, studiowesley.org today. If calling's about some kind of what, I believe this with my whole heart, that the Christian calling's far more about a how. And this is really important for right now because, man, there is a certain privileged conversation that takes place around career, calling, vocation. It's like do your dream, live your YOLO, you live your best, um, your best life now, right? Um, it's, it's like there's something quite privileged about that. My grandfather's been passed away for almost a decade now, but I remember when he and I used to talk about this and he'd go, huh, so you get to choose what you want to do. He was one of 12 children. His life was conscripted. It was about duty. And some of us, to be quite honest, this is actually a good word for some of us right now if, if the Christian life is about and how. And I'm going to explain a little bit more of that in a second because, man, you seniors, some of you I've talked to, like, you had your what lined up. You had your thing that was going to give you your identity, and it's gone now. But if a calling's more about a how and a way of being in the world, about a deep love and affection for God and a deep love for humanity, there's far more purpose to be found still. The how is so important because it saves you from over options and under options. That your identity is first and foremost in who God is and who God calls you to be. I think so often we, like, we throw up our hands and God's like, God, just tell me what to do. Like, just, just tell me what thing to do. And God like, points right back and says, oh, mortal, I have shown you what is good. Do justice. Love mercy. Walk humbly with God. Way more of a how and way of being in the world than a specific thing of what to go and do. Some of you may feel, hear very clearly what to do, but for most of us, if we pay attention to the gospel, good news, and a bad news world, it's a way of being in the world that Jesus models with his very body and life. I have loved you as the Father has loved me so that you may love one another. It's a how of being in the world. I love what Richard Rohr, he, sa he says this. He says, so often like, we feel like we're called to tasks in the world, like I got this task to do. But he says there's, there's actually a task within the task. Huh. Like a task within the task. There's, there, there's this, um, there's this like, attitude. There's this spirit. There's this eros. There's this energy. And like, you know it like, when you meet somebody who's got that, mm, they, got that good, they got that good hum for what they do. They don't just do something, man. They do it well. Like they, they do it with the best of their ability. They do it with like a deep generosity within them. 
And it's from the street sweeper to the corner suite. It's not about what you do, it's how you do it. This afternoon, um, I went outside. I was on the promenade. I'm sorry, guys, it's still gorgeous around here. I'm sorry, it's just absolutely beautiful. <laughs> and I found my way up the promenade across from the business school, and I was looking over at school communications, and I sat on a bench, and uh, there was St. There was Teresa. And I was like, what do you think about this tonight that I'm gonna talk about? And, like, and she said, or I remembered what something she had said was, we all can't do great things but we can all do things with great love. Some of us are addicted to wanting to do great things and forget that we can do all things with great love and we can do all things in him who strengthens us. And it's not about conquering, but it's about serving. It's not about getting attention, it's about paying attention. As I was sitting next to Teresa, um, I looked down the promenade and this fire truck came on, promenade, on down the road. And then a gaggle of police cars. And then a Guilford EMS and a Forsyth EMS. And I remembered that today there was a, a procession of vehicles in honor of Harry Houston. Um, if you don't know who Harry is, Harry is a member of our staff here at HBU and just one of the most beautiful humans you'll ever meet. And it wasn't about what Harry did. It was, it was about how Harry was in the world. He was like one of those people who like, he never, like, he wasn't thinking at the end of the day, how do I get a parade? No, he wasn't trying to get attention. Harry was like about paying attention to you. There's a story that a staff member uh, told us the other day that she was having lunch with Harry at like a, a Christmas party of, of, uh, at the end of the fall. And, and Harry, like he just, he heard every word that you said. And, and she was talking about how that she had been in a move and she had lost a crock pot. And man, she loved that crock pot. Gosh, if she could just have that crock pot back. And several days went by and it was getting closer to Christmas. And one day she walked into her office and there on her desk, <laughs> Uh, was a huge wrapped present. And she opened it up and there was a crock pot. Harry knew what to do because he could first be. He knew a certain kind of way of being in the world. told his wife last week that, that Harry may have been the best educator we had on campus. Because I do believe this, like a proper maturity, growth, it's far more caught than taught. And Harry was far more about being in the world in a certain way and how than what. If you're overindulged in the number of choices that handcuff you, you got you could, too many options, or, or maybe now that you don't feel like you got that many options, 
you still have a how. You still have the deep calling of God in Christ as we see him. That you may love one another as I have loved you. This is what captivates me by him. It draws me back to him again and again. The calling, there's a what. And if I'm calling, there is a how. So much how. You got to have your why. And this is what separates this message from just a motivational speech. Like for the Christian to bear fruit, they're rooted in this Jesus thing. They're rooted in this, this resurrection thing. Like they can do in the world and be in the world first because they want to know who God is in, the, in this Jesus. <laughs> I was paying attention at the sunrise service and the scripture and something hit me that hadn't ever hit me before. Well, first, and I'd recognize this a bunch of times, but like it's not the men, the disciples who show up to anoint the body. It's the women. And they're the first evangelists, right? Like they're the first ones to tell the good news. They're the first ones to witness Jesus raised from the dead. It's amazing. And it says this in Matthew chapter 28. That Jesus, the angel that they, that they meet, that the angel says he's going ahead of you to Galilee. He's going ahead of you. He's making a way out of no way. It doesn't stop there. It says that they left with fear and great joy. Fear and great joy. Not one or the other. Not just fear. Not just great joy. But experience of the God who wants to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. We think that the courage and going out on a limb and our calling is something we experience in the absence of fear. That's not it. The Christian call at the resurrection is the same it was at the very beginning of his ministry. And it's him saying, come follow me. No matter what you feel, no matter what your experience is, no matter what's going on, follow me. With great fear and with great joy, I'm going to take you somewhere. It may not be the place you thought. It may be way riskier than you thought. But it's one of the best whys you could ever find in life. Called a good friend of mine today who I hadn't talked to in a few years. We went to seminary together. She's a hospice chaplain right now. And I wanted to hear from her, like, what what that's like during this crisis. And it was wild. She was jazzed. (laughs) And not because of the suffering, but because there was this great hum that was going on inside her. And she right now is the only hospice chaplain in her area that's serving patients with COVID. And I was like, oh man, I'm I'm sorry. You, you, You have to do that? She said, Preston, have to, I get to. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious God, you are always calling. The question is, are we listening?
is that we don't beckon your presence. You are already here. It's whether we're up and we're listening. Sometimes we're gonna be led where we don't wanna go, but even in led where we don't wanna go, we're gonna be made who we are. And if we're paying attention to you, you're gonna make us better, not bitter. And that's my prayer for anyone who's worshiping with us tonight. They attend to the still small voice. They attend to your call on their life. They pay attention to the hum. They pay attention to the gnawing. They pay attention to the question. They don't push it away. And just as much as they hear the question, the discomfort, they hear your comfort, the one you've already given them their identity. That you claim them. That you go to the ends of life and earth for them that you choose them. May all of us in this moment and the time ahead, may we be and rest in you so that we may do well in the world, that we may bear fruit as a reflection of your goodness, for you are the source. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wesley Union. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to extend a special thanks to today's speaker, as well as our production team, Troy Argon Buchanan, Sarah Taylor, and Derek Scott III. My name is Allison Corwin, and thank you for listening to Wesley Union, a Studio Wesley offering powered by Campus to City Wesley.